0: Hey everybody, this is Sean Drover from Act of Defiance, and you are listening to Focus on Metal. Crank it up.
1: Hey, metalheads, Scott Thompson here, preparing to give you your weekly dose of Focus on Metal got a great guest for you on the show this week and that would be sean drover and we talked to sean way back in september of 2015 i believe when uh, Act of defiance put out their debut album the birth and the burial and recently those guys released a brand new one it's called old scars new wounds and fortunately we had an offer from uh, the label to have sean come on the show and talk all about the new album what's going on with the band and uh, just you know the kind of the evolution between album one and album too, as well as uh, just some tour stories and other good stuff that Richie got to talking to Sean about. So that is what is in store for you this week. But before we delve into that, I thought we might do a little bit of promotion this week for uh, for a friend of ours. That would be Bob Nalbani, and just kind of keeping you guys in the loop of what is going on in the documentary world of Bob. And many of you may know Bob from uh, his Shockwaves podcast, which, by the way, if you go to earpeeler.com, You can uh, get the latest Shockwaves podcast from Bob. But, uh, you know, Bob's been doing documentaries for a few years now. He's been doing his Inside LA Metal series. And, uh, you know, just want to save your pennies post-Christmas time because bob is coming out with inside la metal the rise of la thrash that is due out in uh, mid-january of next year i think that the official release date i believe is uh, january 19th if you're a shopper on amazon you can pre-order that puppy right now that is available you can just type in inside la metal and you see all the good stuff from bob on there and of course, it's it's great to kind of see how much distro that uh, Bob's stuff is getting. The other day, I picked up a fire stick from Amazon, and sure enough, like all of Bob's documentaries are available on there. So it's it's pretty cool to see that he's finally getting distro on all that stuff, because him and Carl definitely working their butts off, putting out great documentaries all about the uh, L.A. metal scene, good stuff. If you haven't seen any of that stuff yet, I urge you to either buy it or uh, watch that stuff on uh, on streaming either online or on TV. But also, Bob's doing another project right now. It's called Band versus Brand. And I know that uh, Richie and I have had this conversation back and forth about several bands and, you know, just kind of the whole integrity of the the lineup of the band that's going out and playing and all that and and I always kind of have that same viewpoint on the whole thing which is that half the audience doesn't even know that the you know different guys are up there and bearing that in mind that really what's the, what's the difference whether the whole original band is up there or not that people are still going to buy the tickets and they're just going to be you know the way they are Richie's had to always kind of more the uh the response with a little bit more integrity to it and it you know and for me yeah being a fan it is important to me to have the whole band up there, the original band and all of that, and uh, you know Richie is definitely pretty solid on that whole concept. So uh, Bob's been working on this documentary that really kind of explores that topic. What's more important, the brand or the band? And he does have a trailer for this up on YouTube, and I'll also try to post it on the show notes this week up at focusonmetal.blogspot.com But since the trailer is really just the audio to the trailer, it's just about a minute and a half of uh, people that you may or may not recognize kind of talking about the concept of Band versus brand, then I thought, you know what? Since the trailer is so audio based, why don't I just play the trailer for you?
2: That's branding. The ultimate brand. A lot more musicians need to have a better understanding of branding. If you
1: sell it out a little too much, it becomes. It
2: is a brand. It's, it's just like Chevrolet or Apple Computer or Gillette or
1: whatever. You, know. Uh, you don't know who made Coca Cola, you know Coca Cola.
2: Surprisingly, they suck big time, and the audience let them 95% know. 95% of the people out there have not
1: adjusted to the new
2: business the name, model. the brand
0: the is always more valuable than any band member.
2: You know, they don't know. Most people don't get on the Website. They go from washed up has-beens to living legends. There's so much garbage out there now that would have never passed a la- label owners, you know, scrutiny. You know, your branding is probably one of the strongest things that you can have in today's music industry. You gotta have the logo. Well, you gotta- it is. He's Steve Perry capable of singing Journey like he used to. And that's what people want. There is no integrity. When it comes to the almighty dollar, uh, the integrity goes out the window every time. Shoot, the brand is more powerful than I am, you know. You know what I mean? to make money as an original artist and to make a living at it is even more difficult now than I think it has ever been. I didn't change the name to put my name on it. It was the label who decided and it was either you go with that or you don't get the deal the way that they want it. Now we
0: got the internet. Everything is cheaper. Anything goes. I think the argument can be made that the brand is more important than the band
1: there you go that is the official trailer for band versus brand and if uh, you want a little bit more um, commentary on that whole thing when you go up on youtube look up band versus brand and there's a good little up uh, about an eight minute clip from our buddies over at the classic metal show Talking about the concept and the clip. And uh, if you don't recognize the voices, you may actually get a couple of clues from those guys and a few of the people that are in there. Thought I would just mention that because, you know, I've had this thing from Bob for a few weeks now and I just keep forgetting to, to put it in the show. And then this week I, I put it in and I find out that, uh, that Chris and Neely ended up talking about it a few weeks ago. So definitely, if you want to have a little bit more of an expansion on this whole thing, go up there to YouTube and uh, check out Chris and Neely talking about the uh, band versus brand trailer and while you're up there of course on youtube that's going to bring up a whole bunch of other classic metal show clips and uh, you know you could just while away the afternoon listening to some great uh, cms stuff and as i mentioned before if you want to check out any of uh, bob's great Shockwaves podcast you can go up to earpeeler.com and hook up with those there so thanks bob keep bringing the uh, great metal documentaries into our little eyes and ear holes and hopefully we'll have you on the show again soon if you get like you know two minutes of free time as usual, Richie and I would love to talk to you about all the stuff that's going on and uh, really give people insight into the world of Bob Nalbandian. But uh, for now, what do you say? How about a track of the week? And track of the week this week comes to us from uh, Sweden, from the uh, power metal band Nocturnal Rights. Just put out a brand new one called Phoenix. And that came out via AFM Records. So I got to confess that I really knew nothing about Nocturnal Rights, And I've been sitting on this one for a while, actually. Because you look at that band name, Nocturnal Rights, And I'm thinking, "Ah, is this like Doom? And I'm really not a Doom guy. So I just kind of, I've been blowing it off. And I just happened to be uh, cruising through and uh, doing some YouTube digging. And I came across the single they put out from the album. Uh, That is called uh, Before We Waste Away. And I was like, wait a minute. Is this the same band that I have in my queue that I've just kind of been ignoring the promo for uh, months now? And sure enough, it was. uh, So uh, just to fill you guys in, if you, like me, are not aware of Nocturnal Rights, like I said, band out of Sweden. And uh, they've been around for quite a while. They had uh, released the uh, last album before this. was called The Eighth Sin way back in uh, 2007. And then I guess they had some... uh, Inner band stuff going on, and they just kind of went on a hiatus for a while. But uh, they have now uh, they've come back, and I would assume they have uh, considered themselves almost coming back from the ashes, and therefore naming their album Phoenix. So uh, this uh, this one here, regular edition, has uh, 10 songs on it. If you get the vinyl or the digipack editions, you get another great song on there. It's called uh, Used to Be God. Really great track. It's probably probably one of the heaviest tracks on the album. But uh, if you want to find out more about these guys, you do have a website. It's called nocturnalrights.com. Not a heck of a lot up there right now. Basically a single page. But that gives you a link to two of the videos that are out there as well as a link to their always ubiquitous Facebook page and a very handy link to their booking agents. If you guys are interested in uh, in booking these guys near you, I'm I'm assuming they're not going to be flying off from Sweden to do a one-off in, let's say, Oklahoma. But uh, anyways that booking agent's contacts is all there as well on nocturnalrights.com. So what do you say we uh, check out some nocturnal rights off of their new one Phoenix. Name of this one is called The Poisonous Sea. <laughs>
3: That's Sean? It is. Hi, Sean. It's Richie from Focus on
0: Metal. There you go. <laughs> so, where are you based? Uh, well, I live in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. The band is based out of out of Los Angeles, California.
3: Okay. Okay. So, you're, you're a Falcons fan?
0: Um, I'm a Steelers fan. Long, long. It's a long story, but I mean, I don't hate Falcons necessarily, but they're not my team at all. Pittsburgh Steelers are.
3: Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm just outside of Boston, so I'm Patriots. I just figured
0: I'd, Yeah, I
3: just figured I'd ask you because they played the Falcons on Sunday night. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you big football guy anyway, Steelers.
0: Yeah, I am, absolutely. Yeah.
3: Nice, nice. So, well I'm not from here. I'm from Ireland, so but I'm living outside I, I, Boston. I can
0: tell. I, what well, so what's the guy from Ireland doing here?
3: <laughs> My wife's from here. <laughs> so I oh, move I moved. <laughs> so How long you been How long you been in Mass? Um 7 years.
0: That's good. You like it?
3: I love it. Yeah, none of my kids sound like me though.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. My my um my son said to me there recently, "Daddy, you sound funny when you talk." I'm like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we'll get. How has the press gone so far for the albums? Going well.
0: Oh, it's been great. Yeah, the reaction from the press and, um, you know. Those who have bought the record and have, have been stellar, so we're we're pretty happy about that.
3: Yeah, well, I made sure to uh, interview you after it came out, so I can have the physical product. I I hate getting streaming albums and MP3s and stuff with none of the liner notes and all that. So I figure I would well,
0: so you're, you're old. So you're old school, like I am. Then so well, I
3: yeah, I, oh, I buy the stuff. Like even though the, the well, even though I get it sent to me, I still make sure I buy the albums. Well, that's very commendable.
0: I, we need more people
3: like you. Yeah, so we, we we try and do what we do, you know? So we yeah, do, that's right. So I just want to ask you first up, um, the reality in starting a new band, um, was it more difficult after you've gone through the process now than, than when you originally thought?
0: Well, the process, I like you know, looking back now, Chris and I did, we wore so many hats in putting this band together and, you know, really, we, we had no band, we had no management, we had no record label, we had no music, we had no band members. We we put all of that together and more. Booking agent, I mean, it, artists for the record, it goes producer for the record. Chris and I did all of that. I mean, 10, 12 different things and create, write a record, find bandmates and everything and turn the record in and get a record company. Did all that in a span of um, six months. Wow turn the record into metal blade we formed the band november of 2004 we turned the record in may 1st of 2015 and it came out in august wow so so it was you know that in itself is quite an amazing (laughs) thing if you think about it you know instead of just okay we're a band we've been playing together 10 years and we're just going to try to get a record company we already have 30 songs in the can it was none of that chris and i just took a leap of faith we believed in each other and 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 what we wanted to do. And and we luckily we found bandmates that had this, have the same vision as we do. So, yeah, but it it was an arduous task to say the least.
3: Now you could have waited a while before forming a band. Like maybe you could have done session work and it would have been more lucrative maybe in the short term, but you you immediately jumped into, uh, into forming a new band. and Mm -hmm. Like that must've been, was that like, a, a, an easy decision to make or did you actually do session work as well in between or did you just jump into the all right we're just going to do a new band and that was it
0: oddly enough i've, I've been doing session work on and off for, for many years now so when i'm you know with my past band if i had any kind of time off my brother glenn who, who was in um, my previous band as well and he was in king diamond he's played the testament
3: mm-hmm. glenn
0: drover he he's had a studio now for many many years and and he'll just give me a call and say, Hey man, you know, I found this, you know, this guy who has 10 songs, he, he needs a session drummer or, or whatever. And, and, you know, do you have time to do it? And if I have time, um, I'll, I'll fly up to, uh, to Canada and do it. And um, to this day, I mean, I'm flying up there in, um, in about a month to do some more session work. So it's something that I enjoy doing and yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, there's good money in it as well. Um, but it's been something I've, I've been doing that now for, for many years with, with clan and, and, uh, that kind of thing. But it really had no, I didn't even think about that in terms of, you know, should we wait, you know, because I'm doing session work. That was just something I, I could, I could do both. You know what I mean? And nothing, one didn't interfere with the other. I, I can juggle the schedule around or, or, or what have you, you know what I mean? I still do it now, you know, cause we just put our record out, our new record and we're not touring till, um, early next year. So again, that gives me the affordability of time to to do session work or whatever I want or need to do. Yeah. So how
3: far ahead can you plan now with with a band like Actor Defiance? I know you've got two albums in. Your two albums mm-hmm. in. Can you, can you like? Can you think like five years ahead, or is it really on album by album basis now?
0: No, I mean you can. I mean certainly you, you can. You know you can say, look, we're going to you know tour until this time. You know then we're going to start writing material for the next record and we're gonna you know we'll take that amount of time then we're going to record during this time then we're going to really you know what i mean you can plan two three records ahead if you really wanted to now you know it it doesn't mean it's going to happen that way you know what i mean yeah and you 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 can put out a record and it just takes off and does well and you get on a bunch of tours and you can end up touring for two years because something you know uh does well or or whatever the case may be you know you you know you can certainly plan for something like that but it doesn't mean it's always going to happen we kind of at this point, we've been going, you know, record to record. Like, okay, look, we're going to. That's what we did. We stopped touring in October of 2016. You know, we made a group decision. To say, look, we're gonna let's stop touring now. We've been on the road for almost a year in support of our first record. Let's start writing the next record because we don't want to take too much time between records. Because, I mean, overall, the attention span now of, of people. Is so short because there's so much product out there and so much stuff on YouTube and the internet that you can instantly access. I just think that if you blink, you're just you're gonna, you know what I mean? You're you're you could you don't want to be out of the out of the uh, the public eye or out of the you know out of the musical loop for for too long because a lot of people just tend to forget and move on to the next thing. So I mean, this is something we're trying to build. So we don't want to take four years between records or anything like that. I mean, we we literally. You know, it took about two years from from the first records released to the second record, so we want to stay on that path, certainly.
3: Yeah. So, so how do you measure success? Is it continuity of a band
0: now to you is successful? Financial success, or what, what kind of success are you referring to?
3: No, like Just, you know, d- no, <laughs> do they you, you used to measure success before with the amount of albums you sold. Sure. And that now, That's... like, you can't really measure it that way anymore. So, to you, what's successful?
0: You can't. You really can't measure that at all, can you? Because I mean, back in the day, you know, the only way you could get a record was to buy it, right? There was there was no internet. I'm I'm referring to the '80s and you know, yeah, and, and what have you before all, all internet piracy came to be. You know, so I mean, yeah, record record sales are are down across the board so much that you yeah you can't really garner or gauge success in terms of records sold. You know what I mean? It's a fraction of what it used to be. But on the other hand, you can have better concert attendance than you've ever had in in your career. So, you know, again, it's hard to stay for us because, again, we just put out this new record. It's only our second record. So, I mean, success to me, you know, success to me is is putting out music that I'm proud of. That's what matters most to me, is not catering to what, you know, somebody else wants us to do or thinks how we should sound or or emulate another band or we've done these records two records on completely on on our own terms nobody's told us nor will anybody tell us what to do with any kind of musical direction because we're just you know what i mean we do what we want um and that that to me is which brings me the most happiness is is listening to a final product that you know why we did this on our own terms with with no compromise whatsoever. And that in itself to me is a, is a success, you know what I mean? Not catering to record company pressure or fan pressure or what others think that you should be to follow a trend or to sell more records. Because again, it's a fleeting thing anyway, isn't it? Yeah. With, with the dwindling cells. I mean, you, now more than ever, you may as well just do what you want because there are, there is no pot at the end of the rainbow, is there? You know, no. There's, there's no, so, you know. But I've always tried to be that way anyway. With with my old band Idol, on we put out five six records and was completely on our own terms. And it was never successful in terms of huge um, success in terms of sales. But we never cared about that anyway. I can look back on that band. Although we did make a lot of mistakes here and there with stupid things, but the music itself, I'm, I'm proud of all the music that we did with that band, and, and it ultimately got me to where I am today. So I'll always be thankful for that band.
3: Yeah. Now, after you did the birth and the burial, went through the touring process. Was there any particular lesson you learned that you wanted to bring into making this record that you learned from the first one?
0: Not really. I mean, it was just a different scenario. The, like, again, the first record, Chris and I wrote all the music because we didn't have bandmates. Um, with this record, all four of us—we're all—all four of us are songwriters, so we all contributed that way. Uh, we helped each other with lyrics and melodies. Was a really a real group effort, even though we were writing in different parts of America where we live. You know, Chris and Henry live in LA, I live in Atlanta, Matt lives uh, in um, I think it's North north or Southampton. That's I think it's Northampton actually, so Mm -hmm. probably not too far away from where you're living. So, yeah,
3: he's up my neck of the woods, yeah,
0: right. So, you know, again, one of the great things about the internet now is it's given you, uh, you've been able to send files, music files back and forth, or send lyrics back and forth, or song ideas, whatever it is, artwork. You know, it's, it's enabled bands like us who live in different parts of America to be able to put this together and, and, and function as a real band. Yeah. And uh, But again, you know, there wasn't a, there, I, there, we didn't have any hard lessons to learn from uh, Birth and the Burial. I thought that record um, went very well with all the obstacles Chris and I had to overcome and, and, and or try to make a reality. Musically speaking, there's not a lot I would change on that record. To be honest with you, I'm I'm very proud of that record.
3: Yeah. Now you you did a lot of touring on on the birth and the burial. Did you jam any of the ideas for this, and maybe in the sound check, or did you not write on the road at all?
0: No, no, we did we did not. Not to say that we won't in the future, but we just you know. But again, by the time you get to the gig, and and, you know equipment gets set up, you sound check, and then you know we we would either be doing interviews or or resting but whatever it was you know to get ready for the show our focus of course was on the show and uh i don't know we never really kind of got into it you, know, we, you only have like a set amount of time to soundcheck on stage and and often it was just you know just going over the material that we were you know playing on tour which was the entire record
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know
0: so yeah we, we never just i don't know we never really no one came in and said hey i got this idea let's let's jam on it at soundcheck we it just n- never really came to be, but you never know what can happen in the future, you
3: know? Yeah, it's 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 weird because the more musicians I talk to, they, they're either in two camps: they can't ride on the road, or they have to ride on the road. It's either right. or. There's not really uh you know, they can do it one tour and then not the next tour. Certain band, sure. certain band guys just say to me, "No way, I can do it. I just can't. I need to be in a certain environment."
0: Nah, I I could I could ride on the road easily, but it, I just again we just never really. For whatever reason, you know, just our times. A lot of time is just spent, you know, just getting getting enough rest, getting to the gig, going to eat some, all that kind of. You know, it all, it all, it's all time consuming stuff. So that you know, again, like I said, not to say that I wouldn't do it, but at this point, I, I have not written on the road. Nor nor has the band. But when you're off the look, when you're off the road, you get home. You know, you have you know have your little Pro tool set up at home and stuff. You know, you kind of get in that mindset. So it's just an easy thing to do. I and mean, you just record it. It's right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of a uh, convenient, but again, you could bring that on the road. You can, do, you can do that right off your laptop. So I guess it just, it just depends on like you suggest, depends on the band, depends on the individual, you know, but yeah. I certainly could write on the road if I wanted to. That the environment doesn't bug me. It's, it's all about being inspired. Yeah. And that- if I'm not inspired, I won't write no matter where I am. If I am inspired, I can write anywhere all I need is a tape recorder to record the riff, you know what I mean? Or to meet, Or these days, my my iPhone, I just, you know, hit, audio, mm-hmm. hit the record button and just, and just record it.
3: Yeah. Now what, what did Matt add to the songs this time around? Cause most of the music on the first record was written by, you know, you and Chris.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So what did Matt add to the songs this time? Anything in particular?
0: Well, Matt wrote three songs on the record, um, which, Again, he you know being the the main writer or one of the main writers for Shadows Fall for twenty years, you know Matt's got a kind of a his own style of writing as well, which I love a lot of the old Shad stuff. And I talked talked to Matt about certain you know things that he's done in the past, or or you know certain riffs and stuff. And, and uh, you know it was exciting to to hear something from somebody else, you know besides myself and Chris. You know we wanted obviously we want this to be a group effort. This is not the Chris and Sean show by any means, you know, a lot of people have said as such. And I just think it you know, it's, it's a bunch of crap anyway, but you know, we're, we're, we're a team here. We want to all contribute and, and all express ourselves and, 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 this being a group effort. And obviously the new record is, a, is the result of that. But yeah, Matt wrote three songs. Talisman is one of them. That's the third single that we released it's a kind of a sludgy kind of track and stuff. And, it brings everybody brings a little bit something a little bit different to the table musically and, and you know and I'm, I think all three Matt's songs are great yeah
3: The Talisman is my favourite song on the record
0: So there you go. That had he you know what I mean? Yeah. If it was just me and Chris. That song wouldn't be on there. So.
3: Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> when it comes to Henry's vocal style, do you kind of leave it to him whether he wants to go with the cleaner vocal or the guttural vocal, or does he need much guidance from you guys at all?
0: Well, Chris, he did demos with Chris at Chris's studio, and, and you know, I think Henry comes. He comes in with you know a set of ideas and a set of lyrics, uh, unless uh, myself or Chris has some some lyrics as well but i think a lot a lot of times it's pretty easy to dictate you know if there's a song that's a little more melodic then henry knows to sing you know melodically during that part but if there's something that's really heavy obviously you know you want to you want to uh, sing with a heavier rasp or, or real guttural stuff as well so henry's got a good real good gauge on that and and of course again with demos we can always say hey you know dude you know try singing real heavy in that part or or sing more what, you know, Henry's got like seven or eight different voices anyway. So it, it's, you know, it's good to be able to exploit that instead of just, Oh, here's just clean or here's just real guttural stuff. He, he mix and matches different things and he has a lot of different, you know, flavors to, to his singing style. So, which is great. That's what we, what, what we wanted in the first place. That's one of the you know big reasons why we ultimately got Henry because he's, He's a multifaceted singer. He he has a lot of different styles. You know what I mean, So just one or two. Yeah. You know, he, uh, it's a lot of different vocal colors to his palette. So. You know. Yeah,
3: he's like he's like a guy you can throw anything out, and he'll be able to sing it. Sure.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and that's that's a great thing for us. You know, so you know, um, yeah, he he knows pretty much, you know what what fits and what doesn't fit, and and sometimes he'll try something, or him and Chris will try something, and here here's this version, and here's that version. We all just kind of make a consensus. Which it's pretty easy to tell which one works better and which one doesn't. You just kind of go from there.
3: Yeah. And the other song track I love on the album is uh, Conspiracy of the Gods.
0: Oh, cool. I wrote that one.
3: Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I, did. I, I don't know who wrote what because all the songs are credited
0: to the whole band. Yeah. And that's what, and we did that on purpose. Just, again, from from a um, financial or lack of financial standpoint these days, you know, a lot of bands get pissy with each other when you know they put out a record and it sells a bunch of copies and and the guys who wrote the songs get this nice big publishing check and the other guy is going hey what the hey how come you're getting that freaking check and i'm not well i wrote the tunes and then you know right off the bat potential arguments and problems start with with us because we're all songwriters we're just like look we're all going to help each other out who cares if you write four songs and i write three or you write more illiterate than I do, or I come up with more melodies than you do let's just do this as a band and split it right down the middle we all get 25 percent of any kind of royalties publishing royalties and, and what have you in the future and that way you, you just kind of have a different mindset you know I, honestly I got that idea from from Queen with with what Queen did in her last couple of records before uh, Freddie passed away you know mm-hmm. so, and then they if you look you know I, I watched a lot of the documentaries and they would get pissy like you know how come your song is the single, and now you're going to get that big paycheck? And you know what I mean? It's like wow, you know. Of course, they sell millions and millions of records, but it's almost like an ego thing, right? You know. Well, your, you know, your song was number one for ten weeks, and my song was only the number one for nine weeks. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a great problem to have, isn't it? But you know, I kind of, I kind of took that, like you know what, you know. And Chris, Chris and I talked about it at first as well. Like you know, let's just split this right down the middle, man. That way, there's no potential ego garbage about you know how come you wrote five songs? I only wrote one, you know? Yeah. so Yeah. So we unified it on many different fronts.
3: Yes. Yeah, so you said you recorded this, like all, all in various studios and you were sending files back and forth. Are you more of a fan of doing that now than getting all the guys in the studio and maybe recording live off the floor and, and, and touching up some of the stuff, which way do you prefer now?
0: Both. I mean, it, for me, Being in a studio is is one of my favorite things to do. I love being creative and and, and being part of creating music. You know, I've done both, you know what I mean? I've I've been recording since 1985, and I've pretty much done almost every situation you can think of, you know? And and I appreciate them all for different reasons, you know? Again, nowadays, with with the advent of Pro Tools, it's enabled a lot of people to record A quality product for a lot less money than it was in the '80s, certainly or the '90s. You know, with the exorbitant um, costs of studios per day, you're on the clock and you're so much pressure. Now you can just, you know, Chris records all his guitar tracks, uh, you know, in his his studio in LA, and you know, you can do four guitar tracks, two guitar tracks, six guitar tracks. It takes as long and takes as long as he wants to. Yeah. at, At zero cost, so that in itself is great, right? Hmm. so it's a, just a different it's a different thing now not to say that it's better or it's worse because that's all subjective isn't it you know what i mean yeah depending on the individual of the band so for me i i you know would it be fun to to get up and, and uh, live off the floor and jam in a studio sure of course but it doesn't mean we can't be creative or spontaneous if we don't i mean i'm i'm essentially playing drums to the new record to Chris's guitar tracks so it, that in itself you know I can feed off that and be inspired or, or be spontaneous or whatever so you, you know in a sense Chris was there in the room with me you know he, he wasn't there physically but his guitar tracks were so I just took that as you know I can be spontaneous off that and be creative or, or inspired off of the so, yeah. back
3: you know what I mean so, so, so Sean are you someone then that you know when you're writing a song when when you send the, the demo to, to, one, to one of the other guys like do you play guitar as well and you play bass as well and you give them the rudimentary versions
0: yeah. well, I've been playing for over 35 years so I, I, can, I can hold my own to to a degree I mean I'm, I'm not I'm certainly not as good as Chris or my, or my brother Glenn. I mean what I usually do is I'll, I'll write the song and, and assemble it um, the full song and then I'll get Glenn to record solid guitar tracks over it and and bass to my to the drums and that way it's a really great. Tight demo to present to the band. Uh, I can't play rhythmically as good as my brother or Chris, but so I want. Yeah. So luckily, Glenn steps in and, and helps me out and, and uh, records. You know, he'll just riff, rip off a couple of solid guitar tracks in you know, thirty minutes or an hour, or whatever it is, and and uh, I'm able to present that music to the band in a really great demo form. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so. You know i'm lucky you know glenn glenn has been pulling cool up to do that for me for both of these records and uh but again I just want i want the band to be able to hear something very clear and 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 you know as brutal as possible glenn gets of course he has a huge studio he gets brutal guitar tones and all that stuff so and you know glenn's a great player so it's real helpful that he does that for me and uh, and to me i've helped him out on you know he's working on our, we've been working on a rec a solo record for a couple of years now but I've helped him write a lot of the tunes and assemble them and stuff so we help each other out in different ways and uh, it works out.
3: What about when with the guidance on on the drums? Do, uh, how, do you get personally hurt, or, or hurt's a strong word? But you know, sometimes you might have it in your mind the way you want a certain song to sound drum wise. And you know, are, are you someone who's flexible in, in the way you, you, you can play them, or are you saying sure. do you put your foot down and say, "No, this is how I want it sounded in my head, and this is the way I want to play it, and it's my song."
0: Um. Yeah, I mean I'm flexible to a degree, but if I know something is, you know, th- when they send me their songs, they'll they'll put their drum machines on there as well. Yeah, and and right away I'll know if something's not working, you know, because look, they're not drummers. They're, they you know, they, there's certain programs on a drum machine. You have you know 50 different drum presets and all our rolls and all that stuff. They just kind of jam them together and, and whatever. I just kind of take the basic beat off that and, and go off that. If there's something that doesn't work. I'll say, hey, you know or if there's something in there that's so ridiculous I can't play it, that, you know, it's out there. Guys, come on, you know, I'm not frigging, I don't have <laughs> eight legs like an octopus here. You, <laughs> break, you know? Yeah. Not, you know? Yeah. So, you know, like anything else. But uh, most of it, I, I just kind of feed off the, bait with the beat that they're doing, and I don't change a whole lot, to be honest. Okay. You know, um, but I make it my own as well. I mean, you know, then and, and as does Chris with, you know, when I write songs, I always give Chris the freedom to, I'll say, look, if you want to change something, if it's better than what I'm doing, I'm all for it. But if it's not, I'll say, nah, dude, that that absolutely does not work. And he's done it, and I haven't said that to him yet. Any little changes he's made, and they've been small changes, nothing big. Yeah. He'll just add more riffage to it and stuff, and I've never said, oh, dude, I don't like that. I've always said, cool, sounds, sounds better than what I did. That, that's great. Okay. Changed, you know what I mean? So it's, it's at this point, and again, I don't have an ego about that. To me, I'm, I'm all about the song you know whatever makes the song better I'm all for it if that means changing one of my riffs so be it yeah you just so, you know, you know what just, I mean I don't have an ego about things like that
3: you just hear these stories about some guys that you know they're just they just put their foot down on the way they want certain songs to sound and and that's it so sure. it's good to know that you know you guys are all flexible and the song you want the best song you can get
0: right and again that's that's again that that's all contingent on the individual and the band some some people who are band leaders or whatever, they can have a vision and, and nine times out of 10, they're right. And that's fine. But our bands a democracy. There's no one star in this band. The other guys are just, you know, on payroll. This is, this is a democracy in every sense of the word. And, and, you know, we all have the same vision. We just want this music to be as good as possible. We don't always agree on everything and because that, that wouldn't be human either. You know what I mean? It's, it's Uh-oh. okay to, we never had any any blowouts or nothing like that ever. We never said, you know, you you know, why you yeah. do that? You suck, or, you know, none of that. <laughs> you know, be- be- gets, again, okay, because I think we just overall we just want what's best for the band. And and again, sometimes you know, I think a lot of that is when your ego gets involved. You know, like, that's my song. You should be changing, ripping my song. Well, why not? If you can make it better, like I said, if you can make it better than what I did, I'm all for it. And the same, you know, if I, you know, if Matt did a song i'd say hey dude why don't you do that riff he would say okay cool and he would try it and he would either say that's cool or no I don't, I don't really like that and then i wouldn't have an ego about it either yeah you know yeah too old for that crap dude i went through that sh- i went through that crap 30 35 years ago with all that yeah stuff you know what i mean It's my way of the highway that's that's not a band dude that's just you know we're a band man
3: yeah yeah i, I want to ask you a question about you played on records with dave mustaine right and he's one of the best songwriters in metal. He's had like an over 30 year career now. Did you ever pick his brain on the, on the craft of of writing songs with him? And did you like, what did you learn from him about actually writing the
0: song? I don't know if I learned anything necessarily. I mean, I mean, I, I obviously, you know, I was a very apt pupil. I I learned a lot of things in that band, not necessarily all in, in, you know, about writing songs or,
2: yeah,
3: or
0: whatever. Um, you know, you know, he's got his way of writing and that's great. Again, you know, uh, his track record shows that. Um but it was always yeah, it was always an interesting experience. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, often he could be very spontaneous in creating music. I've seen him do stuff on the spot and it's like, you know, how did he come up with that kind of thing? So it was it was it was an interesting experience, but nothing necessarily that I took do what I do because I've been doing I've been like I said I've been doing this for over 30 35 years as well yeah so I have my own way of doing things and um you know I don't try to emulate certainly at this point doing this for so long i i I just have my own way of doing things and it is what it is I never try to rip off anybody now whether some rip could sound like something that it's never intentional you know I, I just do what I do and I always try to get better at it and and you know, I never try to emulate others. It just to me, it's I don't know. I just I don't feel that it's right. You know, and again, I've been like I said, I've been doing it for so long that I think at this point I've just kind of made my own little style. And uh not to see again, not to say that I couldn't be influenced by my band members too. You know, you know, Chris could, like I said, Chris could change something and make it more riffy, and and now it's more of a Sean and Chris collaboration, and I'm fine with all that. So yeah, you know. I, you know that's just again everybody's different you know what i mean and and for me like i said i've been writing for so long since i was a teenager you know we were recording you know one of the best studios in canada in 1985 you know metalworks studios and i was just a kid i mean i was i think i was 17 or 18 at the time you know and i we did a three-song demo and i wrote all the songs musically actually musically lyrically and and the vocals i sang on that on that stuff as well so you know i just had the knack for it at a young age. And it's just something I've been doing for a long time now. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Now I want to, I want to ask you a question about, um, since I last spoke to you, um, Nick Menza passed away. D- did you know right. him
0: at all? Hi, this is Nick Menza. And he was saying to focus on that. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I, Nick and I reached out to each other a little bit, not long before he passed actually. And, and, uh, I don't know, four or five months or something like that. It was, it was, um, I can't remember exactly when it was. Um, it was the fall before he, he, he passed away and I, I went, I actually saw him at the Nam show, but he I was working with, um, a company called soul tone symbols. If I remember correctly, and I just walked over there and he was there. I, I said, and I'd never met him or, or none of that stuff. And, and you know, I said, Hey dude, what's going on? You know? And, and we just talked, you know, talked for a while and stuff. And, uh, and that was it, you know, we wished each other well. And, and, uh, again, it wasn't long after that, that, uh, you know, we all heard the news and stuff and you know, it's tragic.
3: Yeah. Now you you played a lot of his a lot of the songs he played on. Like you're gonna have a unique perspective on this. What made him such a great drummer?
0: Well, I just think he had his own style. Which which in itself is uh, is a great thing. again, you know, it's, it's um there's tons of drummers who are faster and all that other stuff, but that doesn't mean, you know, again, fast does not equate to greatness. You know what I mean? (laughs) Just means you're fast. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, and that in itself is great. I mean, I, I appreciate there's a lot of speed demon young drummers out there and, and I marvel at what they do and I think it's fantastic. Um, but that doesn't mean it's original, you know? And, and I, to me, Nick was, Nick, Nick was an original drummer, you know? And that, and, he fed off the songs that were being created and and put his own little niche on there and, I, and uh it fit what was going on musically at the time, so I mean, what else can I say you know he He had an original style, and, and that to me is the most impressive thing
3: yeah now i every drummer I have on on the show, I always ask him this question um mm-hmm. what, what's the worst drum related injury you've had and i'll give you some oh, of the examples that were given to me, right. Uh, Jimmy mm-hmm. DeAnda, um, who's now playing with Lynch Mob, he mm-hmm. said that he hit himself with a drumstick in the eye and thought he was, he'd gone blind in one eye. Oh, nothing. Mike um, Portnoy said, he broke his wrist uh, doing some crazy fill at a show with Dream Theater years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, Dean Castronovo told me that he was playing in, in dry climates and his hands swelled up so much they had to tape the sticks to his hands he couldn't actually hold them. So I'm curious what, I'm curious yeah. I'm curious what yours are.
0: <laughs> well, I've had a lot. I, I I well after the first show I played uh in Magadath in two thousand four, I blew my eardrums out and I developed Vertigo. This is after the first show. I had to go to the to the hospital <clears throat> And because I didn't have proper uh, in-ear monitors at the time, I used generic in-ear monitors. And it just, there was so much outside bleed that I had to keep turning it up to hear the instruments. And of course, you know, over the course of a show, which is such extreme volume, you know, when you're in the moment, you don't notice anything. But after the show, I was, my my head was just in a fog. I was wobbling the whole nine yards. So I had to go to the hospital and I had vertigo. And of course, the doctor says, oh, you know, you need... Three weeks of rest, and I said, Dude, I'm on friggin' tour, man. (laughs) I got a pair of extreme isolation headphones at at the time. Uh, They were the biggest headphones. I call them Mickey Mouse ears because they're just so thick and big. Yeah. But as the name implies, it isolated all the outside noise, and I was able, it was almost like putting on headphones in your bedroom and listening to a a heavy metal record. Yeah. Yeah. I can really hear everything very clear that i didn't have to have a brutal volume to do it and that over the course of the rest of that tour the the vertigo subsided and, and it healed uh, and stuff uh the very next tour i fractured my right hand on the second show it's a mild fracture nothing broke or anything but it, i mean it was the pain was, was pretty brutal so i wore this black just a tight kind of um sport kind of a uh, you know, thing where you can function, but it, you know, it's it's still restricting hand movement and all that stuff. So I had to play that second tour leg and that. Uh, as well in the first, uh, and during the course of that whole world tour, I had uh, a, a re, my knee uh, got blown out. I had to have my plaker removed and my knee and, and cartilage after that world tour. So I was getting cortisone shots between every tour leg just to deal with it. It didn't hurt to play, but hurt, it hurt like hell to walk on my right knee it was from an old injury I had playing soccer years ago. I blew, I, I blew my knee out when I was 18. I had water in a knee, and that mm-hmm. injury came back. And, and with all the years since then, all kinds of crap developed in my knee. So, I mean, I went through the, a lot of injuries, um, pertaining to playing, but you know what, man, there's, there's no days off in rock and roll. You just got to go up there and suck it up and do your job and, and pain or no pain, you know, take four <laughs> or five Advils and, and shut up and deal with it.
3: Yeah, it, it just seems to me that the type of music that you play, like in metal, that it's physically mm-hmm. more demanding on the drummer than anybody else that's on the stage. Of course it is.
0: The drummer and the singer. The singer's throwing out, you know, yelling his guts out. And it, 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 you know There's so much energy expelled during that, but the, the drumming is certainly the most physical instrument on stage. Everybody, you know, it, it's hard for everybody, you know, but drummers certainly, I would say, expelled the most know, physicality on their instrument.
3: Yeah. So, so um, how do you, how do you prepare for a tour now? Is there any particular exercises you do before the show or a couple of, like, do you do like cardio stuff a couple of weeks beforehand or, or how do
0: you prepare? Nah, I mean, I just drink a lot of water and loosen up and, you know, you played three, four songs, in the sound check. I just, I just try to stay loose and just go up there and do it. Okay. There's, there's, you know, there's guys who have a, you know, a whole regimen and all that stuff. And it's all fantastic for me. I mean, I could lie to you if you want, but for me, I just, I drink a lot of water and stretch, and that's about the extent of it. You just go up there and do it. Okay, okay. Well, Sean, um, and, then, want- and drink a lot of beer after it. Sort of
3: <laughs> <pain laughs> that numbs the pain, does it?
0: <laughs> Temporarily.
3: <laughs> so, do you want to give out all the uh, the social media sites where people can get
0: in touch with you or, or the band members? Oh man, we're all over social media, dude. I mean, we, we're you know, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. All you know, all of in- individual. Uh, band guys are on on pretty much everything i mean you know my main thing is twitter and and uh to a certain extent uh facebook as well you know what i mean so we're, we're we we try to stay on top of all that stuff as the best we can uh without being obnoxious about it you know we just try to information we have we, we put it out there um on all our social media outlets and and we're easy to find man just type in active defiance on facebook or twitter or instagram and we'll pop right up
3: yeah so have you any tour dates announced yet
0: for next year, or? it's it's being finalized right now. Everybody's everybody's asking the same question, you know. We and we can't, yeah, give any information until it's finalized and until it's okay. We got the green light to report it, but it's it's as I speak, it's being finalized right now. So just we're, we're trying to you know we're trying to be as patient as we can. We we want you know we wanted to go on tour the day the record was released. we actually had a tour lined up with Ice Earth. Uh, the day after our record release, but it, it got postponed. Um, and, you know, what are you going to do? Just, did, keep, just keep going along.
3: Did you get a chance to tour outside the U.S. on the last album?
0: Yeah, we well. played in um, in Manila in the Philippines. Um, of course, we, we played uh, Canada several times and stuff, but that's part of North America. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the only place we went outside of North America was, uh, we did a huge festival called Pulp SummerSlam, in uh, Manila, it was, I think there was like 30,000 people, whatever it was. And it was, it was great. It was huge.
3: All the way over there for one show? One show,
0: dude. That's how metal we are.
3: Wow. <laughs> All right, Sean. Well, I'll leave you go. Um, the new album, Old Scars, New Wounds, it's it's excellent. It's one of my albums of the year. I love it. Thank you. All right. So have a good rest of the day. And uh, hopefully I'll see you out on the road. All right, buddy. Thank you very much. All right, Sean. Take care of yourself. All right,
1: right, big thanks to Sean Drover for coming on Focus on Metal once again and talking to us all about the brand new one, Old Scars, New Wounds. And uh, we did mention about social media, and you can hit them up on uh, Facebook at Act of Defiance Music and on Twitter at Act of Defiance One. We still have a few minutes left to go this week. What do you say we play another single off of the album? It's actually the lead-off track, and it's called... M-I-A. There we go. That's a wrap for another week here at Focus on Metal. But uh, since we did have a Metal Blade artist on the show this week, it just bears mentioning, if you haven't already uh, got yourself a copy, that there is the, uh, the book, For the Sake of Heaviness, The History of Metal Blade Records. The book came out at the end of August, and it is actually a pretty great read. You get a lot of uh, Brian Slagle's insights into different Metal Blade artists, and it kind of gives you the whole history of this uh, this record label starting off from uh, the guy working in his mom's garage to the international label that it is today. So a very cool read. And uh, also, if you look around online, you may actually find available... The uh, special deluxe box set for that as well because imagine that buying a deluxe set right and uh, this one's really nice comes in a, a case that looks like a giant CD and also included in it is an actual CD of Metal Blade stuff on there as well as a very nice bookmark so if you uh, like metal collectibles that's definitely one you'd want to get and also just to remind you that uh, you know you can find Act of Defiance over on Facebook at Act of Defiance Music. And I would expect that when they do start announcing tour dates that they're going to show up there as well as on Twitter. But I know everybody and their brothers always on Facebook. So that's probably your first stop to be uh, on the lookout for those tour dates. So you can go check out Old Scar's new wound stuff live. But uh, as I mentioned, that's it for this week that's it. There ain't no more. Stick a fork in it. This puppy is done. As always, you can keep up with us at FocusOnMetal.net, where you can get all of our past episodes going way back year after year. And as I mentioned, if there's something on there, you see a, one of those entries and there's no streaming or download link for it, you can also shoot us an email at shout@focusonmetal.net. At and I will do my best to get a streaming link up for that particular episode. You can also check out the uh, show notes and news and other good stuff over at focusonmetal.blogspot.com. Richie is always posting stuff over on the Facebook page. You can catch up with him there. And, of course, I'm handling all the Twitter these days. But until we talk to you again next week, for Richie, myself, and everybody else here at Focus on Metal, have yourselves a great metal week. And until we talk to you next time, Remember... Focus on metal! Everything else is insignificant.